Thank you so much, Ben and Liz. Super grateful that we get to serve together. And also, Kenan's done an amazing job helping us with sound and video. Um, you know, we do this pretty often as we moved into, again, this weird church where we're online. I just know it's so easy to get distracted. And, and when I watch Facebook uh, videos or YouTube, I'm half there, right? I'm just kind of scrolling through. And especially this Sunday, I want to encourage us again to give ourselves to this moment, to be present like you would be at a church service, even though you're on your bed, that you would give your heart and attention um, just to this, this space this morning. And I also wanted to talk to those of you who might just be joining us for the first time or, or have come back and it's been a while since you've been to church. We really want to connect with you. And I put up a Google form. It's like a 30-second, really quick contact uh, card that if you fill out, we would love to invite you into all the other things we do as a community, because this is such a small piece of how we care and love one another, how we get together. And so if you um, would come, would just fill that out, I would love to get you into small groups and for you to Zoom and connect with um, people in your life stage. And also we do devotionals every day. We do one punch man workouts. The ladies get together and, and work out in the mornings. We just do so many things as a community during this time. And I think many of us are just hurting to relate and to connect uh, personally with someone. And I've seen our small group do that in a hundred different ways. Um, so please connect with us. We would love for you to do that. Also, right now, a lot of our small groups are in watch parties together. And so we, as a church, we've always opened up our sermons with questions. And so the question today is, what traditions or events do you love reliving? Maybe it's a holiday like Christmas or Thanksgiving and the way your, your family does white elephant or your friends giving the, the same 20 people around the table. Or maybe it's a first date. But I think we all have different rhythms and traditions in our life that we love to relive, that we're looking forward to. Um, that might be the hardest part about this uh, lockdown is that like Easter, there's this rhythm of Easter of us getting together, doing a potluck that we can't do anymore. And, and, and there's grief to that. But if we think back to when we were able to see each other face to face, what were the traditions and events that you loved reliving? Now, again, if you're on Facebook Live and, and not in one of our watch parties, uh, I think one of our small groups is, is inviting everyone to join through Zoom. But you could also just put down a comment on our thread and, and join into the discussion that way. We're going to go ahead and give all of you five minutes to do the question together. And then I'll come back and we'll talk through the sermon. I think since we're bored um, <laughs> over being locked in, a lot of us has been scrolling through old photos. So the next photo is actually Nina and I meeting uh, for the first time. And I, we were at a mutual friend's birthday party. I remember looking at her and just thinking she was like the cutest thing in the room. She was playing with her bandana. She was like, does it look better on the left or the right? And I was like, it doesn't matter. You're super cute both ways. And I loved her vibe. I just loved the way she had this thick Australian accent, the way she interacted with the people around her. And then she looked at me and her first impression was, 
he's a jerk. <laughs> he looks super cocky. But I'd say an engagement, marriage, and two kids later, I totally won. And once in a while, every few years, we'll actually go back to the Korean barbecue place, to the ice cream shop, and relive that first date. So the next slide is actually Nina and I there uh, two, three years later. Um, it's kind of barfy cute because we wore the same clothes. And then there's a few other um, romantic vomity pictures on the next slide. I think that was our second date, and we went on a photo booth. Man, we were kids back then, and it was just it was just super fun falling in love with her, and and falling in love with her again and again. When when we go back to those first moments, to those first years, because it's been seven eight years now, we're living a totally different life. Round up seven and a half. Let's say seven and a half years. We're living a d- totally different life with a baby and and a toddler, and just to move back to those first moments. Um, allows us to remember, remember falling in love, remember when we were free, remember uh, how cute we were. And, and I think that those traditions and rhythms that we build into our friendships, that we've built into our families, we build into our marriages are so important because they root us down. Um, they kind of stabilize our relationship and bring us to those most important moments of meeting each other or falling in love for the first time, or or um, even the hard times of saying, hey, we got past that. And when I look at Matthew chapter 4, or sorry, chapter 5, verse 4 to 9, I think about Jesus and Peter meeting for the first time. What an amazing moment in, in both in both Jesus and Peter's life, the start of Jesus' ministry when not a lot of people knew him, and Peter just kind of going about day by day, doing the same thing, a little bit mundane of fishing and fishing again. Jesus was teaching a crowd of people. He didn't have anywhere to sit or stand, so he used Peter's boat as they were cleaning out the net at the end of the day. It also helped with projection as he's standing by the water and, and preaching inland. In verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let the nets for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For me and all my companions, uh, all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So what an amazing moment where Peter and Jesus meet for the first time and Jesus calls Peter out of his everyday life that instead of him being a fisherman, he would be fisher of men. And when you look at the rest of their life, this moment is kind of usurped um, in Jesus' ministry. I mean, the miraculous catch is like number 100 on the greatest hits of Jesus' miracles, right? If I were to talk about how amazing Jesus was, it would probably be raising the dead twice, Lazarus, the, the girl who had died, growing out an arm or a leg. Um, he, he didn't just have them catch a lot of fish. He multiplied 5,000 fish from one, from a few. 
And so I wonder if, if people, people stop sharing this story for a while. But for Peter, it was, it was a story that he probably came back to again and again because it was personal, it was sacred, it was significant because it was him and Jesus. And it was his call into ministry. Now, if you look at John chapter 21, you see all the similarities of John 21 after the death and resurrection of Christ, after this vibrant ministry with him, but also some heartache of him denying Jesus. We see John 21 after the resurrection and notice all of the similarities of this section as Matthew chapter 5. It's like they were going on their first date again. It's like they were doing their 15th um, Friendsgiving. They're reliving an important moment. In John chapter 21, 3 to 6, it says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. When the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. I think maybe in this moment, Peter doesn't realize it, but there's this replay. There's this revisiting of Peter's first call of how he found Peter and how they first met. They caught nothing from a night of fishing. Jesus tells them to arbitrarily throw their net into another side of the boat, which shouldn't make no difference. And all of a sudden they haul in a bunch of fish. And I wonder if there's moments in our Christian life that Jesus brings back again and again. I wonder if this Easter we would relive the most, m- most intimate parts of our relationship with Jesus. Because when we relive those moments, they anchor our faith, don't they? When we have that, that moment that Peter did where you know Jesus is real, that he loves you, that moment where you believed he forgave you and you felt your guilt and shame lift, that moment of worship where you knew it wasn't just you singing to a wall, but that that you were in his throne room, that he was looking at you and pleased in your worship, that moment you believed Jesus was real. I think this Easter, Jesus wants to bring all of us back to those really tender moments of him meeting us and allowing those moments to stabilize and anchor our faith. You know, I I was really lucky to know Jesus at a young age, Um, and it's because I struggled in a lot of different ways. I fell fifth grade, I got bullied in school, but maybe some of the darkest moments of my life was struggling with asthma, and in some ways I really relate with with the COVID-19 patients who are struggling to breathe. It's hard to describe uh, grasping for air and 
being unsure if you'll be able to have your next breath to live. And there was there was one time, maybe I was in uh, third or fourth grade, where I had a severe asthma attack. And I was just laying on the couch, um, opening and closing my lungs, waiting for the pediatrician to open his office. And even my mom, you know, she reflects on that moment. And she's like, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to live like the fragility of life in, in a few breaths, you just feel how, how quickly we can go. So as a young boy, I remember laying on the couch, just all of my energy and attention going into each breath, trying to get enough air. So I wasn't gagging and then feeling the presence of Christ come into the room as I'm like calling out for him. And I just saw him putting his hand on my chest and allowing it to open and close again. Open and close, sinking his breathing to mine. It was such a significant moment to me. It's hard to even explain, but as a kid, my asthma didn't just dissipate, but I knew he was with me and, and I knew I would live. And then as I grow up and think back now, 20, 30 years later, I, I'm just astounded, astounded that the God of the universe who breathed into life, the first human was breathing with me. And I wonder for you, is, is your Christian faith much more than your parents, uh, some theology, a few good arguments? Is it? moments of intimacy with Jesus that anchor you down. In some ways, that's, that's how we know it's real. If we've been convinced intellectually that we should be Christian, we could probably be convinced out of our faith. But if, if there are moments where you know he was with you, moments of intimacy, moments like Peter, where you could go back to and remember your call towards him, remember his gentle love for you, it's just different. And I hope that this Easter, you would remember those moments where God loves you and he loved you in a way that's specific to you, right? He didn't do this miraculous catch with every disciple. Peter was a fisherman and he was bringing him out of his old life into a new one. And I think there's a specific moment for each of us that is unique to our story where Jesus meets us there. As we continue in John chapter 21, verse 7, it says the disciples followed, the, followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a, a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coal. There was a fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have, have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples 
after he was raised from the dead. Now, just as Jesus kind of recreated the scene of meeting Peter for the first time, their, maybe their most intimate moment, um, their most joyful moment, he recreates a second scene. And he recreates a scene of, G- of Peter's lowest moment. So in the Last Supper, everyone is talking about how they won't betray Jesus. And Jesus is saying, all of you are going to fall away. And then Peter becomes extremely bold. I imagine him yelling at Jesus, pounding the communion table, and saying, even if everyone else fell away, even if everyone else deserts you, I will not. I will follow you even to death. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. Basically saying, you won't even last the night, Peter. Before morning, you'll have denied me. And we look at this in John chapter 18, just a few chapters back. Peter, um, this is Peter's first denial. Aren't you one of this man's disciples too? Uh, She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. And the woman who's asking Peter is actually a servant girl. She's the lowest caste in the Roman society. She actually has no right to accuse anyone legally. And so in some ways, she's not even a threat. But here Peter says that he's not one of Jesus' disciples. And then there's almost a cinematic scene in chapter, uh, verse 18. It was cold and the servants and officers stood around a charcoal fire. They had made to keep warm. Peter was standing with them, warming himself. And so if you would just pan away from this moment, from Peter sitting around the charcoal fire, you would see Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, uh, being accused and even beaten. And he's kind of on one side, and Peter should be with him, defending him, standing with him, saying, I am his disciples. But really, he's on the other side, where the soldiers are warming themselves, where the servants of those who are accusing Jesus are warming himself. He's in this moment on the side of Jesus' betrayers and accusers, the people who beat him up. And when Peter walks into the land and see the charcoal fire, again, if you notice that in verse 21, verse verse 9, chapter 21, verse 9, I think it brought back a flood of other memories of his lowest moments, of his last moment with Christ. You know, Our last moments, in some ways, are the most precious. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know, whenever I sit with someone who lost a mother or father or brother, they talk about the last thing they said, the last thing they heard, what they wish they got to say. Because in some ways, it summarizes the whole relationship. Uh, I read about this chaplain grieving for families who are leaving loved ones uh, in the emergency room and and thinking they'll come home, but they don't, and they're separated because of COVID-19. And, and the chaplain's kind of being the bearer of the last words of the family because they're not able to see each other face-to-face. They're not able to, to hear from their mother or their daughter, I love you. And I, I hear Peter, after the rooster crows, uh, he had denied Jesus 
before the rooster crowed, he had denied Jesus three times. The last time, he's literally calling down curses from heaven, like swearing that he doesn't know Jesus and imagining in his grief that the last words, if Jesus could hear him, he heard, he, I don't know the man. I'm not his disciples. When Jesus saw him, seeing him with the very soldiers that had arrested him, and Peter feeling like, man, this is the last thing my Lord saw. And, and he just wept bitterly. But, but John chapter 21, this resurrection is a resurrection of hope and relationship. For Peter, it was him being able to, to start again or, or, do, or have have another relationship with Jesus, another t- chance to say, I love you and you're my king and our relationship doesn't end in this death, in this way. And when I think about the resurrection for our lives, maybe some of us have had really sweet moments with Jesus, but our last ones are us turning away from him. Our last ones are us denying that we're a Christian whether it's with our words or with our actions, that we feel super far away and we feel like our spiritual life is dead, our faith is gone, but Easter is saying Jesus is alive and so your spiritual life can have a resurrection as well. It doesn't need to end in denial and shame. It doesn't need to end in your worst sin, in your betrayal or you just being distant you can have new life again. And so as Jesus is bringing Peter to those first moments of intimacy, he also brings him to the worst moments because Jesus has the capacity to hold both our best and worst together, our most amazing acts of faith and our most horrific failures. He brings them both together. And I love how On top of the burning coals, there was a fish. On top of Peter's worst moment was his call and Jesus sitting next to both. In John chapter um, 21, verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because the Lord asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know, when we walk away from Jesus, we're usually walking to our old lifestyle. For Peter, it was him being a fisherman. He didn't know if he was going to be called to be a disciple again. And then Jesus, as he's recreating this miraculous catch, he's reminding Peter of maybe the meaninglessness of fish. You know, every fisherman's greatest dream is to catch 153 large fish. And Jesus is like, do you want this? Do you love me more than your dreams, more than the fish, more than your old life? And Jesus, I think, sits with all of us 
in this moment. And he says, do you love me right now? And will you follow me? And Jesus does this three times with Peter because Peter denies Jesus three times. And so he's allowing Peter's worst moment around the charcoal. He denies Jesus to Jesus' enemies. And now he gets to affirm Jesus around the same charcoal fire, but different, that he loves him. You know, Jesus flips all of our worst moments and failures, and he gives us a a chance to resurrect them, to breathe life into our worst moments. And I, I know that we feel like our worst sins and moments and weaknesses keep us away from God, but what if it's those very moments that God wants to redeem and wants to reinstate our faith. He wants to bring us back with our sin and failure and flip them. He does this with Peter. And then the last passage, um, the last part of this passage, Jesus says in verse uh, verse 18, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You know, out of all the passages, I'm most moved by this one because I relate so much to Peter. I I loved his faith even at the Last Supper where he boldly proclaims that he will follow Jesus unto death, and he's unable to. That when the chance arose, he failed. His, His faith, or even his view of himself, was greater than his flesh, or was lesser than his flesh, right? And isn't there moments in our life where we are on fire for the Lord, um, where we sing songs and we believe with all our heart we mean it, but then we mess up. We have a setback. We allow addiction to take over our life or we hurt someone deeply. We're not the person that we believed we were and it's crushing. You know, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, the man you thought you were and the man you want to be, even though you denied me just a few days ago, you will become that man. And we know in church history that Peter did end his life by dying on the cross. And he goes to the people who are going to execute him, and he says, I can't die the same way my master died. I'm not worthy of it. So crucify me upside down. Peter follows Jesus day after day. Day after day, he says, I love you, and I'll follow you. And the man that he wanted to be at the Last Supper, he became You know, that's my encouragement to you and to myself is that if if moment by moment we make a decision to say, God, I love you, and when we hear him say, follow me, we do that, the man and woman we, we envision who's solid, who strives after holiness, who's disciplined, who cares about others more than themselves, who's a faithful husband and father, will become that man. 
as we take each moment to follow Jesus and to give our love to him. And I wonder, man, some of us, we feel so um, crushed because because we failed and, and we didn't know we would fail like that. We sinned and we didn't know we would be capable of that sin. We betrayed Jesus and we didn't know we would be able to do that in such a deep and significant way. But Jesus re- invites us in again. And he says, in this moment, will you love me and follow me? I hope that this Sunday, this Easter Sunday, would be a moment in which all of us, like Peter, says, yes, Lord, I will love you. I will follow you. You know, on this, on this next slide, I think about the ways that we have, as a community, taken one day at a time to follow closer to Jesus and to be closer to each other. Because Peter's journey, um, it was a daily decision that got him to become the man he wanted to be. And I think we have a daily decision in lockdown, whether to stay up to 3 a.m. or 5 a.m., binging on Netflix, watching anime, falling into addiction, or whether we want to take every day to live a disciplined life and to say, God, what does it mean today in quarantine to follow you? And, and some of that looks individual, but we've also been doing that as a community. And so, man, if, if you're not a part of our church, again, we would love to fi- you to fill out the contact card on the comment section because every day I'm, I'm inviting our church and you to spend time with me and Pastor Chrissy. We do a devotional together at 9 a.m. And it's been the rich, one of the richest parts of my day to learn how to be in silence and solitude, to reflect on God's word together. And I loved, I have been loving spending time with the community. And some of you have come to renew even for a year or two years or a few months and we haven't had time to really connect. I feel so connected uh, to the brothers and sisters who show up every day uh, to do this devotional with me. Um, also we have small groups and so we have small groups from youth, college, young adult, all the way to married. Many of them have grown because of our desire to connect with each other and they are, they're just, they're able to just kind of live authentically with each other, to talk through the sermon, to pray for each other and to just work through our struggles together. And I, I've seen so much of our community love God more and connect deeper through the last few weeks. We do watch parties on Sundays, but these small groups have done all kinds of things together. They've watched movies together, played poker, you know, uh, have found all these ways, Jackbox to connect. So there's just been a lot of opportunities to build friendship. And then me and Chris G and Maurice and a few other people, Amihan, we've been doing one punch man workouts, (laughs) 100 push-ups, 100 squats, and then we rotate in sit-ups. And I think, again, man, that first week, everything was thrown off. And I, I, I stayed up till 2 a.m. watching Narcos on Netflix, and I wouldn't wake up till 11, you know? And, and everything, everything was out of rhythm. There was no schedule. It was so easy to be lazy. But this last two weeks, the devotional, the workout has really blessed me. And I want to invite all of you into this and to ask, what does following Jesus look like for you? What does loving Jesus look like for you day to day 
in your schedule? Um, how can you connect with him? Because when I think about who Peter became, the man that he was, it wasn't just this one decision, right? It was a daily decision. And his character grew and he matured. And the man who said, Jesus, I will follow you to death. He became that man and he did that. You know, when we're a young Christian, we have the best of intentions um, and, and we say the most bold things, but usually our character can't carry us into all of our commitments. But Jesus is so patient and kind and he picks us up over and over again. And if we decide in that moment, in every moment where Jesus asks, do you love me and will you follow me? and we get up and do it, do that again, we'll become the man, the woman that he's created us to be. God, we love you so much. We're grateful that we get to have a real relationship with you, a living relationship because of the resurrection. We don't worship a historic figure. We don't worship a good teacher who's died and lives through just his writings. We get to write stories with you and, and have experiences and moments that you bring us back to. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters, maybe they've been Christian their whole life, but they don't have that story. They don't have those stories where they know it's you and them and you've called them and you've cared for them and you've been intimate with them. And I just want to lead I just want to lead you into this prayer. Maybe you've, you're finding Jesus for the first time because it's Easter and services have flooded your news feed or you've gone to church all your life and when you hear about those moments, you don't have any. And maybe it's because you've never really given your life to Jesus. It's just been a religious experience. You've gone to church because you have friends or because your parents made you. And today, Jesus is saying, I want a, a real and living relationship with you. One in which I talk to you. One in which you'll have stories to share. And you know it's not a generic story. It's a story about you and him. I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's simple. And some of you might be hearing it for the first time. Or this might be your hundredth, but you've, meant, you've never meant it. But would you pray with me today? If you want to say, Jesus, I love you, I want to follow you. If you want stories of intimacy and calling in your life, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying on the cross for my sins, and living again so that I can know you and have a relationship with you. Please forgive me for my sins. I want to love you and follow you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen.